So we come to Canto 33 of The Paradise, the last in the Divine Comedy, the culmination of the journey, and in a way also the origin of the journey. You might almost think of Dante having had the vision he finally receives here in Canto 33, and having had to back right whatever it was that got him to this point, which is the account he gives in the Divine Comedy, how Beatrice played her role, how his struggle with poetry played its role, how his attempts to transform his love played its role, but ultimately how he opened to grace so that God could play God's role, which is what happens in the culminating moment so to get to that, let's begin where the canto begins, with Bernard's long prayer to the Virgin Mary. Remember that he has told Dante that his own wings won't be enough to take him to this final vision and sight. Something else must have to happen, for which everything that's happened to him so far, in a way, is a preparation. And I think this is conveyed in the prayer that Bernard now offers to the Virgin. He, for example, prays using lines that convey the impossible mystery of the Virgin and who she was. So, for example, he says, you are the daughter to your son. So she is this impossible thing, both of being a daughter to her son and the mother to her son. She's also the Virgin Mother the kind of maternity that is more than just human. It's the maternity that can make God in human form, who was also the maker of all things, including the virgin's womb. These kind of paradoxes pile up through Bernard's prayer. He also says that this is the man, Dante, who has travelled all this way, who's seen all things, and he himself longs that the mist of Dante's mortality be dispelled. He longs for that in order that Dante can finally see immortal things directly and with his own eyes. He longs for that more than he's longed for anything else, which kind of seems unlikely, except, I think, in these eternal infinite realms, Everything can carry a full intensity because everything is fully realised. It's like the love that is infinite. It's always got an infinite amount of love to give infinitely because it is the love that is the loving itself. So there's a great excessiveness in Bernard's poem. But perhaps the most important detail of all is that Afterwards, Mary remains silent. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't even smile. And I think that is a clue to what Bernard's prayer actually precipitates in Dante and makes him ready to receive the fullness of the divine vision. I think it's something that Meister Eichhardt was onto in his essay on detachment. Because in that essay, he talks about Mary and how she's celebrated for many things, 
some of which Bernard celebrates her for as well. She's celebrated for her humility, for her yes to the angel, even for her love for God, particularly for her son. And yet, Eichhardt says, the thing that was more precious than anything else the Virgin had was her detachment. The thing that Eichhardt points out is that all these other qualities like humility, like affirmation, like love, are ultimately human qualities. They reach from the human domain to the divine domain. But to have the complete vision of God, something must reach down from the divine to the human. And that requires, Eichhardt says, the kind of detachment that is a potential space that's empty in the human soul, but precisely because of that emptiness, the divine can fully and wholly fill it. It's like the human soul becomes a container for the divine in this activity of detachment, in this emptying out of all that we feel and long for and think we know, that the Virgin is in this state of detachment is indicated by her not responding directly to Bernard's prayer. She doesn't smile, she doesn't say anything. She simply looks at the eternal source. She looks at the divine. That is within her because she has become wholly identified with the divine. And in making the prayer and Dante feeling the direction of this prayer, feeling its inner truth, reaching, I think, to this point of detachment. Dante is ready himself to receive that vision. And in fact, after the prayer is finished, Bernard turns to Dante as if to say, look now at the eternal source. But Dante's already looking. He now knows for himself what it is to be ready to receive God, even as the Virgin had been ready in her immaculate detachment to receive the divine as well. It's an extraordinary moment because the canto also repeatedly says that Dante was straining with all his efforts to reach the highest vision. He remembers all that he's been through in this canto as well, somehow bringing that to this point. He says that even in this moment his intellect was trying to perceive impossible things, like how to square the circle. And yet a moment's reached that is only possible because of all this striving, when almost in an instant the striving falls away. And in that moment of pregnancy, in that moment of empty reception, exhaustion almost, the divine can flood in. I think it's a key moment in these full visions of divinity that Eichhardt was onto with his notion of detachment and that other mystics, of course, have spoken about in different ways from dark night to the soul through the cloud of unknowing, through tantric traditions where everything is embraced in order that more than everything can come to be known. Maybe even these days, in psychedelic research with these early indicators that the entheogens seem actually to shut the brain down 
in order to open up the vision of deities. Dante, I think, knows the same thing, and he's pointing to it now at the end of the Divine Comedy. But it's this kind of spiritual intelligence, you might say, that whilst it is a resonance and harmony, a direct perception with the ground of being, with being itself, with the divine, it's only reached because it's embraced all things. It's used all its emotion, all its cognition, and then realised that's given away. Um, it's very different, therefore, from, say, artificial intelligence, which tries to solve problems or make decisions, the kind of intelligence that dominates in the modern world. I think it's even different from emotional intelligence, which loves the experience, tries to discern and understand the experience, tries to know the other through felt, sensed, um, even in emotions of the soul. That's emotional intelligence is genius. And Dante's had a lot of that in particularly his relationship to Beatrice. He, you might say he's gone through all those things, all these qualities and aspects of emotional intelligence across his journey. But it's because he now realises the limits of all that and that there is yet more that this spiritual intelligence can finally kick in and through these moments of detachment fill out to show that actually it is the, the ground of all intelligence. It's the source of intuition. It's the awareness without understanding it's the knowledge without being able to speak about it. And whilst that does sound mysterious, it's actually an everyday experience. For example, if you try to talk about beauty, you'll talk with your friend about whether this is beautiful, whether that's beautiful, what might even make something to be beautiful. And you might have some agreement. You'll also have some disagreement. And if you don't disagree with your friend, it's certainly easy to find people who will disagree with you about what beauty is. But the point is, we keep talking about beauty. And whenever we fail to agree, we actually perhaps are closer to beauty itself than when we do agree. Because when we do agree, we feel like we've got beauty wrapped up. Those moments when our words stop talking about beauty and yet want to keep trying to know what beauty is, that is when we're perhaps closer to beauty. Similarly with what's good. You can talk endlessly about what's good, what isn't good and so on. But the point is that human beings keep talking about what the good is. That's because the good is itself the source and wellspring of our desire to know. And you could talk about the truth as well. Similarly, always disagreements about the truth, always conflict, always fears that this might be relative, but yet... The point is, people keep talking about the truth. They will give their lives for the truth, even though they can't fully express what it is. And that's an, ex that's an expression itself of how what's true, what's good, what's beautiful, is the source and origin of our keenest desires and feeds this spiritual intelligence, which you might say envelops other kinds of intelligence that we have, be that emotional, be that artificial in the sense of problem-solving, decision-making, these things we have to do as well. I think you can say it's 
a sense that's even beyond consciousness. It knows that it falls into not knowing. And Dante says this himself, in a way, after the prayer to the Virgin and after he is now looking at her and appreciating her detachment, because he uses three similes to convey the sense that, like he says, an impression that was in the snow that gets eradicated by the sun's warmth, or like the sibyl's leaves upon which she writes her messages from the divine get scattered in the wind. Or he says it's like waking from a dream, the dream that was so intense and real while you were dreaming it, but soon slips away when you wake up. That is what this sense of reality is like. It's the origin of our awareness, so we always are only just aware of it. It's the origin of our consciousness, so we're only just conscious of it. It has this quality of being there and yet always over the horizon too. Little wonder that Dante then prays to this light supreme for the ability to at least leave an impression in him, his poem of what he is about to receive. And he also makes a very interesting remark because he says that he had to trust this intuition. He had to keep following it, to stay with it. And even in this highest moment, perhaps because it's this highest moment, he was at the greatest risk of turning away from it. Imagine that here in the hundredth canto of the Divine Comedy. He's saying that he was in this moment at the greatest risk of losing it all. But I think there's a profound spiritual truth in that. Um, it brings to mind Lucifer, who was the greatest creature of light and yet fell. When you reach the heights, all sorts of things can intervene, particularly this business of thinking that you can understand it, that you can love it, that you can desire it. That was Lucifer's mistake. He thought that he could possess it, and so he fell away. Um, Dante knows this risk here in this high moment too, but he must trust this thing. And if he can stay with it, then it will speak to him of its fullness. And so very soon after saying, he realised that he had to trust and stay with what he could lose, what could slip away from him, even in this moment. When he did acknowledge that, it started to return to him. And he said, actually, he also realised paradoxically that he couldn't take his mind, his sight, his awareness away from it. It held him because he realised that he couldn't fully hold it. Again, you know, this is a mysterious moment, but in some ways um, it's an everyday experience. You know, we get the little synchronicity. Uh, maybe even, you know, you might have a, a major spiritual experience like an NDE. And yet when you wake up from the experience, it's very easy for it to slip away. And in fact, it does slip away because you return to a more everyday consciousness. And what I think Dante is saying to us, even in lesser moments of revelation, is that we must trust these little moments of revelation, stay with them, try and work them into our everyday lives, because then they will release the fullness of that which they were intimating and that which they were channeling. It's a good tip for 
the spiritual intelligence that if you've got this far in the Divine Comedy, you certainly long for, but know that somehow it's also beyond your longing. He then says that he knows he received this full vision. He uses a nice simile. He says he knows how the leaves that form the many, many pages and parts of creation were bound together with a single spine. He says he knows it because the joy and delight wells up within him, even as he, Dante the poet, writing for us, is failing ultimately to find the words to try to communicate what was the source and origin of this joy and delight. It's that background sense, a bit like eternity's sunrise, the moment before the sun appears over the horizon, and yet the dawn, the blue moment, is full of possibility. That is the kind of divine presence that he knows, even in his normal, everyday writing state of mind. And then he uses a very lovely analogy to convey this sense of knowing and yet not knowing how to express and to write about it by referring to an old myth that when Jason went to retrieve the Golden Fleece, he built the first boat, the Argos. And there was a moment when Jason was sailing the Argos across the sea that Neptune, the god of the sea, looked up and was so shocked at this new thing, a boat, that he saw that he never quite got over it. And it's such a good analogy because the boat and boat building and sailing over the horizon um, on this venture into a land that Jason didn't know of, um, you know, and along which he met all sorts of um, strange beasts and creatures. We talked about this when um, Dante had seen Jason in the Inferno. It causes you to think, you know, what did it take to embark on that journey? Because setting out across the sea is not primarily actually about the development of new technologies, the building of the first boat, the Argos. It's also about having the new consciousness that can engage with whatever forces and monsters, with whatever gods and currents might be met in that voyage, in that new navigation. And it's such a good one for Dante to reference now here in the last canto because he many times has told us that his journey is setting out on the bark of his consciousness to encounter new things that will require him to develop his consciousness, to expand his awareness in order to know how to relate to them and so keep pressing on. This is what Virgil has taught him. This is what Beatrice has smiled into him slowly, steadily, as he's repeatedly turned to look at her and now doesn't need to look at her because he can see with his own eyes. He can embrace the experience for himself. But what he's alluding to here in this moment, recalling Neptune's surprise, is how we forget that we have stepped into new conscious awareness. And in forgetting, forget that that can keep happening, can keep going on, right to an appreciation of the source of consciousness itself, which he is now on the cusp of. There's something amazing in this, that although Dante is about to have the greatest vision of all, Every moment almost of every day when we step into new worlds, almost just by virtue of stepping into the new moment, we have maybe tiny, almost imperceptible echoes 
of that same experience and yet we forget about the wonder of the novelty. We forget about the surprise that we've stepped into a new moment, into a new part of the day, into a new aspect of our life, perhaps stepping literally into the physical world, not fully knowing what we might encounter. If we can have that sense of freshness moment by moment, the kind of openness again to receive something new, we are very far away from what Dante is going to experience here at the end of the Divine Comedy. It's part, in fact, and parcel of the same kind of spiritual perception. And so we're now nearing the end of the canto. It comes together in the last few tercets. Dante says he begins to feel himself changing. I think this is the sense that actually everything is being let go now in order that a fullness can be received. And first of all, he sees a vision of the Trinity. And it looks like three circles completely occupying the same space and yet clearly differentiated too. He suggests that they're differentiated by their colour. He realises that they're like rainbows reflecting light one into the other so mutually somehow they're sourced together and then there's also a sense of breathing flame between these co-extensive circles. This is deliberate now paradox because he is moving beyond words, telling us though that this is what he perceived, something which when you try to explain it, certainly when you try to reason it, can't be done. All you can do is use these analogies like mutually reflecting rainbows, like three circles distinguished and yet completely the same. What he's inviting us to do is move to that point where we can perhaps perceive something of that with our intuition, realising that words themselves won't do it. He takes this sense in and describes how it's a self completely contained unto itself and not having anything outside of itself. It both knows, is known and is the knowing these expressions of Trinitarian unity of the ground of being that's full of vitality. And then he sees it changing again. And here he really doesn't understand because he sees right here in God a fourth aspect in the unity. It's the image of humanity. It's the image of himself, not, of course, his personal self who walked the streets of Florence, but the heart and source of himself. Somehow that too is imaged in the divine. And I think this is one of the best attempts to convey what is now known as non-dual consciousness. That which knows his I amness in all its purity and from which the manifold aspects of his I amness that did walk the streets of Florence spun and were woven, that which knows your and my I amness, that when we take a step back from the immediacy of the details of experience and reflect first upon the experiencing and then receive the intuition of the ground 
of our experience, of our I amness, which is the divine I am, the sense that we rest in that which is the condition of possibility for who we are. Dante sees that now in God as he sees the human image in the Trinity as well. He knows himself to be part of the divine life. He sees that that is so. And yet he can't understand how that can be so. It seems impossible. This is where he references trying to square the circle. And so he reaches the last moment of his failure, which is the moment where he finally, in the last two or three tercets, sees it all. Because in that moment, he says that he knew himself, his desire and his will to be spinning like a perfect wheel with the love that moves the sun and the other stars, as the famous last line of the paradise puts it. He knew through his being in all aspects that it always already was part of divine life and it fills him instantaneously now and the poem comes to an end. It comes itself to a completion that's also a ceasing of the words, this incredible moment of actualized potential, of full possibility, of complete awareness echoing back to us across 700 years, even as we return to these words. And so, of course, I invite you to read them, to follow their direction of travel, to see how you can feel into what's happening to Dante and thereby foster the same kind of dynamics in yourself with who you are, much as Dante brought all who he is, with where we are now in our times, much as Dante brought all that was new as well as old from his own times. And that's possible because this poem is ultimately drawing on the creative dynamic source that was Dante's and is ours and is all people's. It's universal in its vision in the sense of bringing all things back to itself, but also being able to contain all things within itself because it speaks about more than just itself. And I hope that some of that possibility fills you with some joy as you come to the end of this final canto. Let me end with the way that Mark Muser translates it and hope that it gives you some intimation of Dante's vision afresh, made ready for now, because my goodness, I really do think that we need it. Mark Muser writes, at this moment when Dante realises that all his effort was going to have to give way to the divine vision itself. Then a great flash of understanding struck my mind and suddenly its wish was granted. At this point, power failed high fantasy, but like a wheel in perfect balance turning, I felt my will and my desire impelled. 
by the love that moves the sun and the other stars.